episode of today's lesson a nick cave podcast i'm andrew and i'm sean and today we're going to be talking about the third track from tender prey it's called deanna sean how you doing andrew you ask me this every time and i feel like i'm i'm getting kind of boring uh but uh, i'm doing fantastic and i am once again, so stoked to be talking about this song because it is in a run that might be one of my favorite three song runs from Nick Cave so far and maybe overall, but uh, very excited, very excited to be here today with you talking about Deanna. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, yeah, totally agree about the th- three song run. Um, you know, all three of these uh, songs at the beginning of this album are very different and achieve different weird aspects of Nick Cave's personas, the darkness of of uh, the mercy seat, the jauntiness of Up Jump the Devil, and now we've got a real pop banger. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm great. I have two very special announcements. Um, we have two very special announcements, Sean. Do we? We do to share with our our dear listeners. Um, well, I'll just get right into this first one. In light of Neil Young removing his music from Spotify in protest against Joe Rogan's campaign of vaccine disinformation, um, you know we stand we stand with Neil on this one. But we will not be removing our stuff from Spotify. We don't have that kind of pull. We don't have that kind of uh, listener base. But we can promise you that we will not appear on Joe Rogan's podcast. Unless we are invited. And we just want to make that explicitly clear that we stand strong, we stand firm, and we're, we're solidly with Neil Young, and we refuse to, to be guests on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, accepting that he would invite us directly to be on, on the podcast. We would probably do it in that case. But as it stands, Andrew, I, I appreciate you coming forward with this and just want our listeners to know that we will be doing absolutely nothing, and um, we, will, we will not appear on Joe Rogan's podcast unless we are scheduled as guests on Joe Rogan's podcast. Firm and resolute, standing in perfect (laughs) Joni Mitchell-like statue-esque resolve with Neil. In lockstep with Neil Young, um, our friend of the show, 
a good friend of the show. I will say it's not, you know, we're closer than just friends. We support him in everything he does. Announcement number dose. Sean, what's, what's our, our second big announcement? Oh, oh my God. That's right. It's finally here. Oh, listeners get excited. We have a giant announcement. That announcement is coming up right now from me. Announcement number two. We have a competition. And this competition is an opportunity for you, the listeners, to engage with we, the podcasters, and an opportunity for you to win some Nick Cave and podcast swag. Andrew, tell them what they can win. Our listeners, if they enter this uh, this contest, this competition, will have the chance of winning some custom-designed podcast coasters. Um, these coasters are emblazoned with the Today's Lesson and Nick Cave Podcast logo. They're beautiful. They'll stop your beverage of choice from condensating all over your uh, your desk or your table or uh, bent over human subject, whatever you choose to put your, your beverages on. And one lucky listener... So we've got three of those coasters, three of those these these magical, magical desk adornments. Vibrant, they're vibrant, they're, colorful. When I look at them, colorful vibrancy just exudes from these coasters. I'm looking at them right now. Almost go blind. You need these in your home. You need these in in your walls. Well, they're in your walls. We have them right now. <laughs> you need them on your table. A thin layer of drywall separates us from you these coasters this is one... your opportunity to reach beyond the drywall <laughs> and one lucky contestant will win a copy of any nick cave album they would like with a big fat asterisk next to that because it's gonna it's you'll be able to choose within reason um but it should be the price of an album no uh no $150 collectors ghostine shilled on eBay um may or may not be authentic <laughs> but what we need from you dear listener um to enter this contest is your thoughts sent to Today's lesson pod at gmail.com or through Twitter at today's lesson pod. Your thoughts on a particular song or album that we've talked about so far. Um, anything on Tender Prey is fair game. Uh, we're talking about that one now. An album or song ranking and uh, and maybe some, some reasons why. Or general questions for us will also suffice. Um, so if you send any of that to us, we will um, very likely read it on air, and uh, you will be entered to win one of these fantastic prizes. Uh, just get that feedback, those rankings, those feelings to us between now and March 31st. You know, include your name, uh, where you're from, country, state, whatever, um, in case we read your sponsors on air. And with that, uh, let's get into... Deanna. Oh, Deanna. 
Oh, Deanna. Um, oh, oh, oh. You want to get us started with the music? Let's do it. It's um as you described, this is this is a real pop banger. You know, we've we've kind of gone all over the place in Tender Prey. Uh, talked a little bit about how this feels kind of like a reinvention of the seeds. To me, this is perhaps, you know, the the first album of a new phase and a phase in an era that lasts for quite some time. So we have a lot of distinct sounds coming forward, more developed, uh, more developed sounds, if not, you know, perhaps as developed as production, as we'll see later. But uh, Deanna kind of flips the tone again from that odd carny-like piano uh, dirge that we had on Up Jump the Devil. It's not as intense and all over the place and cacophonous as what we heard on the Mercy Seat. And they really go straight ahead all out on this high energy uh, pop banger. Andrew, what do, you, what do you feel about this music? Yeah, to me, this this is sort of a, a one-off in its own way, sort of a return to the birthday party. Um, it's, it's much tighter than a lot of that birthday party material. Um, and it's honestly a lot tighter than what we've been hearing in the Bad Seeds. You know, these other last couple albums, uh, in particular, Your Funeral, My Trial, just had so much more complicated arrangements and a lot going on. And, and the songs were a lot longer, allowing different parts to sort of be fleshed out in different ways. This song just kind of, you know, returns to their roots as a very simple, um, you know, sort of a... a almost there's a, a lot of violence in this song um <laughs> lyrically and musically it's 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 very angular um but the organ you know just everybody's contributions turn what could be a really dark song into a pretty happy song while keeping this happier you know catchier song sufficiently dark yeah no, and it, it, I like that comparison to the old birthday party stuff because it, it brings back that kinetic energy that you feel in those songs in a tighter package, losing none of the dark subject matter, but just creating this really bright arrangement um, that, interestingly enough, is actually based off of an arrangement of um, a, a gospel arrangement from the 70s of uh, an old hymn, uh, Oh Happy Day, which is, you know, night and day on subject matter. It's actually about, you know, Jesus <laughs> saving people. And they've turned it, they've they've really turned it on its head subject-wise, but really kept that joyous uh, celebratory theme that you see in a lot of that gospel music. Exactly, exactly. And if I'm not mistaken, there is um, an acoustic version on the B-Sides and Rarities album uh, where they actually swap between the, the original gospel version of Oh Happy Day and Deanna. Yep. And what's interesting to me about the acoustic version is they kind of tone down the joy and the happiness and that kinetic energy <laughs> and and bring it kind of smooth, but they really, yeah, bounce between lyrically and subject matter-wise between, you know, Jesus coming and saving and then the classic Deanna lyrics. And so they never really go full bore onto either side. They always have to kind of balance it out, which I've I've thought was odd, but highly recommend checking out the acoustic version. It is fantastic. Absolutely. Definitely is one of the, the go-tos for me on that, uh, that B-Sides collection. Um, we've got, on this song, we've got Nick Cave vocals and the signature organ. Um, you know, this kind of dirty front and center organ is something we'll get on 
plenty of Nick Cave performances to come. Blixa and, and Kid Congo Powers play guitar here, uh, electric guitar, while Mick plays uh, acoustic guitar, bass, and drums, basically filling in the rhythm section of this this performance. And I believe everybody had backing vocals. That, that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. I don't know if we could ever cite that, but everybody is also singing, which kind of uh, harkens back to the gospel style that they're pulling from. Yes, yes. Um, just a couple background quotes uh, on the song before we get into it. Biographer Ian Johnston claimed that Deanna was a woman Cave had recently had a passionate, intense relationship with. Cave had later said that the song was seen as a particularly brutal act of betrayal, and 30 years on, I still haven't been fully forgiven. I console myself with the thought that I was unflinching in my duties as a songwriter, even though it broke a heart or two in the process. Very interesting quote. Not not absolutely clear what he means by this, but to me, it, it seems like he's saying that, you know, even just putting this this person and this idea and this adventure into a commercial product was possibly seen as, you know, uh, taking something intimate and and commercializing it, or even just letting people hear it is kind of how I took that. Yeah, and that that's how that's kind of striking me without much from the other side. Um, because I, I could see this being, you know, if it were an intimate experience, and especially if it were somewhat unembellished, <laughs> I can't imagine it is not embellished, but uh, that would be something of an intense betrayal if you didn't run it by Deanna first. Um in that you're just kind of putting this out there and, and coloring everyone else's image of this person if if it isn't really who they are. That's interesting. He is, But he's a storyteller, so I wonder if it's more the betrayal of kind of turning it into something that it wasn't or, you know, embellishing on that, the the criminal tendencies, the the criminal acts, because they, they did break into houses, um, but kind of blowing that up into something it wasn't in a way that would be, you know, harmful to the person's reputation. I don't know, speculating. Also could be possible, yeah. Yeah, and then and then to kind of further his his own uh recounting of of what the song was about. Anyway, we used to play truant from school and go to this little hideaway that she had fashioned under this bridge over a dry river creek. It was impossible to get to because of the briar that surrounded it, but she made this tunnel through the briar. Inside this place she had a collection like a magpie's nest. We used to go on these day raids on the different houses around the town. We knew the people wouldn't be in the houses, and we used to eat their food, lie on their beds, and steal all sorts of stuff like letters, cutlery, clothes, money. The story is important because I've tried to write a lot of things about it. And usually we wouldn't get so explicit with these quotes about what these songs are about, but I think I think there is an element of this song where you clearly you don't need to know the background of it, but when we're doing lyrical analysis of it, you know, a lot of it will speak for itself and we can get a lot of interesting things out of it um, by analyzing it without knowing the author's intent. But I mean, I think if we're going to dive into it, it's this song in particular, there's a lot of things that just aren't going to make sense if you don't have some context for it. Yeah. And the fact that the context exists at all is important too, because a lot of these songs don't have that sort of richly detailed background and there often aren't specific 
named people that they're based off of. Um, you know, many many do, but Deanna's one that's actually pretty explicit, and you know the characters are are real people, and you can point them out. And uh, I think that there's a history that doesn't necessarily exist for other songs that does exist for Deanna. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you you take something like Jack's Shadow, and obviously there's a lot to be gained from knowing who that song's about, but you know you wouldn't really be able to put those pieces together the same way for this one. Yeah. And and a lot of the songs that do have history even are, you know, not about Cave himself specifically, like Jack Shadow. It's, you know, a, a story it's removed from him, but this is yes. something that he experienced himself. And so all the more important, I think, to to understand or at least know when you go into it. Yeah, exactly. Sean, what do you think of the video for this song? I love it. It's, uh, well, t- uh, definitely mentioned this um a couple times throughout the song but this is obviously um, received a lot of comparison to stuff like natural born killers when you look at you know old footage of bonnie and clyde or any of the uh, uh kind of couples that have um throughout history committed you know heinous violent acts while in a relationship together um it really conjures that old grainy TV footage and kind of the home video style of if they've ever recorded themselves or like that old timey newscast of, you know, showing them in various poses. And this music video, I think, dives full into that aesthetic where it's it's really grainy VHS. It shows Cave and the band singing, but then it, it cuts into kind of that home footage of of Nick with a gun or, you know, Nick, you know, holding this gun in various angles and the the lines coming up the television gives the it gives the song a real true crime veneer and vibe. Yeah, very, very much so. Very astute. Um yeah, it 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 also sort of echoes the yeah, the film is grainy, it's raw, and yet there is this kind of muted color to it feels like a very good visual interpretation of uh the way this song sounds to me Um, yeah as well as as certainly it's uh intentionally evoking those things that you've mentioned yeah no i I hadn't thought about that at all but it absolutely does when i hear this music i don't know i think in colors a lot of times and i see a lot of whites a lot of blacks a lot of grays it's you know kind of like you said, a muted color palette that really stays in that monochrome um, area. And they really took, it's not black and white in the video, but they really took and, and muted everything. And it, it has these big splashes of white. Everybody's kind of gray. It's It does, it really captures the feel of the music visually. Most definitely. Moving on to the lyrics. Sean, how does this one start? Well, we jump right in, uh, as we don't always do with the hook. Uh, it starts off with the refrain that we'll hear over and over again, Odeanna from the band, uh, echoed back by Cave, whoa, Odeanna, Odeanna, oh dear Deanna. And we'll hear this a lot. That's like the main thing that sticks out in my head when I recall this song and think about it is, you know, him wailing that name. Uh, but we're immediately introduced to this Deanna character. And immediately introduced to how the speaker feels about her with, well, you know, you're my friend and I ain't down here for your money. I ain't down here for your love. and I ain't down here for your money. I'm down here for your soul. Powerful opener. <laughs> Comes right out and just hits you. Yeah, it's great. It's It's so evocative, so simple. I mean, you have... Uh, 
just after the mercy seat being so weighty and up jump the devil being so you know it's it's silly but it's 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 got some verbosity and everything just this simple hook and this simple um organ line and it's just so tight and compact and and this this hook is just a very nice encapsulation of just a very batshit protagonist um <laughs> saying the most you know coherent stuff he will say in this song absolutely and you know we we get immediately can't stay away from the bible can't stay away from christian concept of the soul but immediately get just devil vibes it it feels like if anything it's someone trying to put on the airs of satan um trying to steal the soul as we've seen in the past song from deanna just you know in a very very jaunty way in a very you know straightforward i'm not here for anything else i just want you know i want you and uh it's an interesting way to start a song that is ostensibly about some kind of love but uh it really digs into that kind of supernatural love and uh paints this guy as as something perhaps beyond basic evil and uh thinking about it existentially yeah absolutely um yeah you've got the i i'm not down here for your money that could be you know down from heaven in the material plane or it could be you know they're both down in hell together um one of my favorite things about this this hook um especially if you were listening to this for the first time i ain't down here for your money it's like oh well that you know knowing this is a love song it's like oh well that's yeah, that's cute. He's not after material things. And then he says, and I ain't down here for your love. And you're like, what? what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Why are you laughs> here? I ain't down here for your money. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, we we do know that now. I'm down here for your soul. And it's just like, well, this was kind of trending very romantically. But now there is, and it still is, but but very, very unnerving. Very unnerving. And yeah, the, the down, I I completely skipped over that but it is really you know fallen angel vibes i think it's it's some sort of ill yeah uh ill force from heaven he's, he's coming down to whatever plane this is or you know believes he is and as we know that's uh it's where satan came from so <laughs> we don't want to give this guy all the agency either this this might be a, a situation where you know he is he's falling to meet her uh falling to meet this other person as well um, yeah. and join them in this carousing existence uh, that we are about to jump into. Verse one. <laughs> Verse one. There no carpet on the floor, and the winding cloth holds many moths around your Ku Klux furniture. I come a death's head in your frock. Sean, what a wild ass verse one <laughs> i was gonna say we move from the hook that's like huh that's odd to uh what the fuck what, what's happening here um i mean just on its face very evocative imagery so you know to me this this paints a picture of wherever they are is uh, i assume it's a house i have no reason to do that but i assume it's a house i assume there are hardwood floors um, there's cloth over everything. I don't know exactly what it is I'm thinking of, but like one of those old Amityville style houses that just, you know, somebody died and all the furniture got covered in cloth and nobody's touched it in a while. So kind of a vacant place. 
Um, but then describing that as Ku Klux furniture, I guess, really, you know, does paint a picture of everything covered in pointed white sheets. Um, and then immediately tacking on this sexual imagery just, you know, continues down the the idea that this is some very sinful thing that they're <laughs> that they're doing. It's not about money, it's not about love, it's about soul. And in in the evil sense, I think that this, you know, is is going against common conceptions of godly good and coming a death's head in the frock you know we've got some real real bad stuff here premarital sex um yeah, that's portents. the worst thing about all this <laughs> the they're breaking exactly. into people's houses uh who are either yeah who have have moved on to to a new life greener pastures or just away on vacation common practice to cover your furniture with plastic or sheets to keep dust off them um is that what that's for yeah and keeping oh yeah you get you get your cloth up there you know moths are inhabiting this place obviously it's been a while more moth imagery recalling the mercy seat um and then the idea of this ku klux furniture this just turning this really simple visual into something sinister and evil and then the fact that they've you know to me these are these are probably like young kids um you know nick is a younger man you know coming at a death's head in your frock very sinister way to talk about yeah you know probably young love maybe nobody's that good at what they're supposed to be doing and uh you know, doesn't quite make it to the established target. <laughs> I, yeah, it I just see these to be as, in the shape of a death's head. Yeah, it's 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 so weirdly beautiful. This like clumsy, shitty, you know, love making. They're breaking into houses. It's it's very, you know, it, it hits this kind of nostalgic angle. But then they shock you. They turn it around on you, and cave. You know, evokes. Not just, you know, Ku Klux um, as a visual, but the death's head being, you know, a skull, you know, used used by um, various <laughs> uh, nefarious characters throughout history, you know, from basically from pirates to Nazis. Um, you know, I kind of prefer the, the pirate reading here, but um, <laughs> yeah, just just describing some really dark imagery to... Yeah, they're breaking into houses, but they they seem like innocent young young lovers at this point. Yeah, and it, it feels like he's trying at, to describe at this, this point. In, at this point, we'll we'll see where it goes. <laughs> but uh, it really does feel like he's trying to use descriptions that aren't necessarily leading much of anywhere, but are are shocking, and you know, will will bring yeah. us to this place of like, oh God, disgust. Um, the death set I do like because I think it is you know also a. a saying that their love will will lead nowhere good it is ill portents um that you know his his jizz would happen to splash in that shape um <laughs> kind of some and, cabin fever vibes if you will very much into so. the flag you know uh more moth imagery death's head moths i i don't know what the connection is there but i can't imagine that the two things aren't related yeah There's a lot to unpack in just that first verse after he is just saying well you're you know you're my friend 
uh, Deanna, <laughs> you're, you're my good friend. Um, continuing verse one, and we discuss the murder plan. Oh, <laughs> we discuss right. murder and the murder act. Murder takes the wheel of your Cadillac, and death climbs in the back. We, we've talked about the Cadillac imagery before, uh, particularly with uh, Blind Lemon Jefferson, but it's come up um, at least in one other instance, I can't remember, but um, we, were, we were sort of equating it to the devil. Um, you know, Robert Johnson um, up jumped the devil, I think is maybe where we talked about it. Yes, one of the, one of the older up jumped the devils. Uh, the devil rides up and surprises a man uh, by stepping out of a giant Cadillac. Yeah, so so very fitting with with your analysis of of you know there's some biblical stuff going on here potentially. Um, Cadillacs are a very biblical car. Yeah, they <laughs> mentioned they're all over the Bible. New Testament. <laughs> um, the official car of the Bible. PT Cruiser. <laughs> New Testament vibes. PT Cruiser. Old Testament vibes. Cadillac for sure. And uh, yeah, no, we continue to escalate very quickly. Um, they're murdering. They're murdering and, you know, murder and death are, are now corporeal things that are driving them places. It's it's more of that uh, signature ambiguation, some of that uh, disassociation with perhaps the actions of these two people. They aren't necessarily the ones doing what it is they're doing. They're they're summoning these these ideas and actions and they're becoming these things that take them where they need to go and do these things. So more questions of free will are brought up in this verse, which I really like. Um, but we were, we're painting, again, the quote-unquote protagonist of this song as further more and more this very nefarious, very, uh, I mean, at this point, kind of outright evil speaker that is going to do some really bad shit, so... And and kind of last thing for me about this verse, this feels, when they start discussing murder, this feels like where it departs from reality and Cave the Storyteller kind of takes over, and this is where the embellishment might really be happening, because even with the shocking verbiage of the first part of this verse, um, I, I can imagine that this is what they actually did. They broke into houses, they sat around, they fucked, they did all this stuff, Um and perhaps this is where the betrayal comes in one, either he's he's making shit up and it becomes worse than it was. But what if they did talk about this stuff? And what if Nick Cave and Deanna went and killed somebody and they just don't <laughs> want to talk about it? That's extremely good. That is something we absolutely should be considering and might be the most fun way to read this song. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, saying that that's the case, but I'm just saying that given the responses of the people involved, raises a question or two. It does, it doth, doth raise such questions. I, I mean, I, I would be pretty shocked if the betrayal in question was just, was something other than him just basically recounting memories that were important to both of them. Um, I think this is the second most likely scenario, much more than anything else we talked about. Yeah, um, and I'm just adding, who knows? Who knows? This this will be a great thing for us to bring up on the Joe Rogan podcast when we 
get invited. Um, but we don't. So yeah, we don't support. You're not supposed to mention that specifically. That's why I'm putting this in here. Oh. Um. Yeah. So moving on to the hook. Oh, Deanna, sweet Deanna. Well, this is a car, and this is a gun, and this is day number one. Our little crime-worn histories, black and smoking Christmas trees, and honey, it ain't a mystery why you're a mystery to me. Now, I'm not sure which of these weird moans is which word in some of these lines, because I don't (laughs) necessarily hear all of this stuff the same way. Absolutely not. But... And huge natural born killers vibes. You you nailed it with that. Crime worn histories, uh, and and recalling what you said about, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, the kind of the vibe of the video and everything. We are now explicitly seeing Deanna be told by our speaker. Um, I need I really need to stop saying protagonist. Um our speaker here. <laughs> it's informing her this is a car this is a gun this is this is the beginning of our you know travels together as uh murderers maybe yeah no it it sounds like hopefully to him they will be murderers soon um it's it's also interesting <laughs> it it sounds like and in a lot of these uh kind of couples crime sprees that I was looking up especially the the ones where you know it has an overbearing man that kind of drags someone along um this strikes me as an older man speaking to a much younger woman in a way that is very childlike and that this is a car really that's something you need to say and this is a gun and it just (laughs) it's so elementary that it's it's comical and it makes this uh even more nefarious (laughs) it makes this even more um sinister in that it's someone having to explain like bit by bit to this person what it is that they're using to go do this stuff and um, kind of implies that the uh, Deanna could have no idea, or at least the speaker doesn't believe she could have any idea, uh, the implications of what it is they're about to do. She barely knows the tools. Yeah, yeah, great point. Absolutely. It does seem to be a bit of, um, you know, potentially some kind of grooming here going on with at first we don't really know what to expect they're discussing the plan together it would seem if we take this speaker um at their word but we get to this hook and it does seem like there is a power dynamic at play yeah absolutely what what do you make this christmas tree line i am lost on this for me one of the reasons that i wanted to bring up the background stuff before we uh got into this song is that some of these some of these events or descriptions do seem like inside jokes to me or inside references to things that may have actually happened or yeah. have been talked about by them. This to me seems like their crime-worn histories include going into these abandoned houses and like uh, setting a Christmas tree on fire or some shit, you know, or <laughs> maybe it it all took place during the holidays it could be as simple as that yeah then the last lines and honey it ain't a mystery why you're a mystery to me it's just kind of like a beautiful you know circular kind of uh (laughs) phrase that just is really sweet after all this 
pretty horrible shit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, he, he gets into this more, but uh, the speaker is is kind of holding Deanna on this platform of innocence. And so going back to like explaining what a car and a gun are might simply be the speaker's perception of the person that he's with and not necessarily who she is. She might be far more intelligent and worldly than that. Um, sure. But with this line, it kind of calls out, he knows his ignorance. He knows that she's divine and he can't possibly know her. Um I think is one reading and it's, it's a fantastic way to say that. I, I really like this, but like you said, it's, it's beautifully circular and continuing on uh, verse two, we will out eat out of their pantries and their parlors or their parlors, <laughs> ashy leavings in their beds and will unload into their heads on this mean season. But this little angel that I'm squeezing, she ain't been mean to me. Oof. Uh, oof. Oh, exactly. We start off with, you know, as you had said earlier, something that we know that they did, which was eating their food and uh, sleeping in their bed. Ashy leavings to me implies that they're uh, having more sex and, you know, there's stuff, leavings that they're leaving behind. Especially if they're denizens of hell, you know, ashy leavings, you know, they, oh, they, yeah. they've they've set set the night on fire, so to speak. That's right. The only the only sign that they were ever there, much like when Satan visits me, little piles of ash on the floor with the <laughs> foot of my bed. What? <laughs> Nothing. What? We need to talk about this, buddy. <laughs> that doesn't happen to you? Let's talk about this after the show. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. And as I said, they'll they'll get right into the killing here. Which is contrary to the established story, which, you know, they were in these houses where people weren't there. In this story, they are killing people, and it's not clear the timeline if they're having sex before they kill the people, after they kill the people, are the people coming home and they're doing that? Um, are they having sex in the bed with the dead people? That's been known to happen in some of these stories. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's, they're in a mean season right now. And... Uh, uh, some more weirdly <laughs> vague Christmas imagery, I guess. It is. It feels. It feels like they are that Nick is recalling a time period to me. Yeah, it's you know, tis the season, tis the mean season. So I, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that, but maybe if he did kill someone, it was a murder in Australia around Christmas time. Yeah, potentially. That's another way you can enter the competition. Is if you dig up. <laughs> if you can bust his ass and get him locked up. Submit potential cases to the podcast. Unsolved murders <laughs> around Christmas time when he would have been there. Um, But yeah, then you have... It could just be this wishful, you know, like, oh, if people did show up, this is what we would do. But they may just be, you know, two teenagers or young people carousing and... And just pontificating on what they would do. Um, and then the, the little angel um, that you're squeezing, it could be, you know, we'll get some uh, some more squeezing imagery. There is a, a, a definite through line to using a weapon that that we'll get to. And, and also just squeezing his main squeeze. His... She ain't been mean to me. That's right. And so why he, he's got some feelings that may have led him here 
people are mean to him maybe <laughs> that's very true social outcast um it also paints deanna again in kind of this you know pedestal place it, it puts her as an angel um mm. which may be further you know why he finds her a mystery is because she is not perhaps of this world um to him sure yeah no um we go back to the hook oh deanna you are my friend and my partner on this house on the hill and i ain't down here for your money i ain't down here for your love i ain't down here for your love or money i'm down here for your soul so not much not much more there you are my friend and my partner on this house on the hill um you know just some more i mean i i this song conjures the image of just breaking into houses <laughs> you know yep. most of this stuff takes place in houses has very uh residential imagery these two unlike the characters in stranger than kindness have sort of appeared to have found some kind of peace in this weird you know natural born killers-esque uh, life of crime even if it's a teenage ideal of that kind of of life it, it seems to be giving them some kind of closeness yeah absolutely and I, I i hesitate to say them though because we only ever hear from nick and we only ever hear from this this male speaker and in many of these true crime cases um it's often in question the role of the partner um, when it comes out that, you know, there's a very overbearing or perhaps, you know, violent leader um, putting pressure on the other person uh, that, you know, did the other person actually have agency? And so it's, it's, I hesitate to say that they're both finding any peace here. I have no idea how Deanne is feeling about the whole thing because it might sure. not be great. You, you, there's, there's not really any evidence one way or the other nope. here is the thing. And I think. I think the combination of the background that Cave has, and, and obviously there's a case to be made for reading this without that specifically, that I think is good. Um, but I think just the lightheartedness of the music and his, this being something he's recalling from memory are points for them having some kind of, of co, you know, Bonnie and Clyde kind of, yeah. in terms of the idealized version of that some kind of connection there and then to to look at the other side you have every song that cave's ever written that should make you like you're doing question exactly that and and yeah you know try and and, and peer into those um those cracks you know it's not mentioned but we know that almost no Nick Cave protagonist, if you, you know, this time and using that word with intention, none of them, you know, truly <laughs> embody what they're talking about. Very unreliable narrators. And we're getting towards the end here. We got, uh, we got one more bridge and starts with uh, more Deanna wailing. Oh, Deanna. Um, and the speaker, I am a knocking with my toolbox and my stocking. We'll meet on the corner. Yes, you point it like a finger and squeeze this little thing. I hear its kick. I feel its bang. And let's not worry about its issue. Don't worry about where it's been. And don't worry about where it hits because it just ain't yours to sin. Odiana. Sounds like we got a little bit of uh, 
training going on here. A little bit of firearms <laughs> training. Yeah, things have been things have been accelerating at a rapid pace. Um, I am knocking with my toolbox and my stocking. One way to read that uh, is that he is showing up at Deanna's place <laughs> with his various uh, instruments um, for this this great crime spree that they are undertaking potentially um stalking would be something that you'd you know probably cover your face with and uh toolbox might be his collection of of you know weaponry robbery instruments um toolbox and stalking could even have you know very sexual uh potentially sexual imagery um in fact this whole you know we'll get into it but this this um you know there's the potential for this to not even be anything but a grandized sexual or romantic imagery potentially mm. but yeah i'll meet you on the corner you know they've planned this meeting and this could be some this could be could be someone teaching someone to use a weapon and not to uh care about the consequences of what happens when they use it absolutely and uh the the phrasing here, you point it like a finger and squeeze this little thing, and then I feel it's kicking its bang. Um, if taken to mean, you know, they're just shooting a gun, it very much feels like the image of him behind her, holding her hands up with the gun, and like teaching her by guiding her hands. And uh, very, very, again, reminiscent of the kind of grainy footage, true crime stuff where, you know, it's two, two young lovers practicing violence with one another. It just ain't yours to sin. That that is a very interesting use of language? Question mark. Yeah. No, it's 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 sticking with this theme that Deanna is something, you know, kind of ethereal and and he's perhaps even protecting her that she doesn't even need protection. She couldn't possibly sin, so anything she does is fine. Um with the worry that if she were aware, if she had the awareness of what it was she was doing, that maybe that wouldn't be the case. And so he's just saying, you know, don't even think about it. Perhaps in some twisted antichrist way, he's taking the evil of it. He knows what's up. He has all the knowledge. He's the one that's guiding her and and performing these actions. Or um, at least, you know, the, the, the leader that is guiding her to these actions. And the fact that she's doing it still keeps her clean uh in in some weird twisted way that ignorance of what she's doing is is protection yeah definitely yeah it it, it does you know the speaker here is weirdly sympathetic in a way he whether or not this act is completely heinous and evil he at least you know it feels like an honest description to me because he's not hiding anything that he's doing um to the extent that that we've seen these other uh, narrators do. But he also is, you know, it feels like he is guiding this person with care. Like, (laughs) that said, he is the shittiest teacher imaginable. Don't don't worry about where you shoot someone, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about where I got this gun. Squeeze the little thing. That's what it's called. It's called the little thing. Yeah, super just not qualified to be doing this. And that is the worst sin of all. <laughs> That's right. Poor gun safety. That is commandment number 11. Very shitty thing to do. Um, 
I, I, it just struck me though. If we remember why he's here, it's not for money. It's not for love. It's for her soul. I think he might be lying to her. <laughs> I think this might be a way for, to get her to sin by telling her that she can't sin and don't worry about it so that he can <laughs> claim her soul from sinning. Well, I now, think. so for sure. But I think, I think he's being dishonest with her, to clarify. I think he's being honest with the list, listener, uh, so to speak. Yep. But I think I don't think necessarily with this person. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I think it like I said, it just struck me, but I think he's lying whole cloth to her to get her to do something that he knows is going to damn her because that's he's told us a number of times and you always gotta trust somebody when they tell you who they are. <laughs> uh he's down here for for that essence, for that immortal soul. Yeah, definitely. I mean I think that's I think for me, the the romanticism of the song, the romantic nature of the song is something that, for my purposes, I would like to preserve and really enjoy and want to glorify. But it just doesn't... There's too much evil here to really, to really sweep it under the rug, you know? It's... the stuff is there in the text now the song is sweet in its own way and i think certainly uh much more weirdly uplifting than that but i think it's in the text i mean you gotta you gotta look at it from that viewpoint yeah and and digging back to the source material oh happy day you know it's about jesus washing your sins away and this is kind of washing your sins away by telling you not to think about them rather than actually doing anything to solve them yeah um, and it also could be the source of the feeling of betrayal from the song and that if if the real deanna were under the impression that they were doing this as you know a partnership and they're just kind of having fun and then the song comes out that kind of says i was down here to you know make you sin for the fuck of it it's like <laughs> yikes okay <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. That was fun, I guess. I think it's I don't know. And this is this is totally subjective, but it's pretty hard for me to read it that cynically. Um, Fair enough. S I N. Cynically. <laughs> no, it's just it's so the song is so weirdly sweet that yeah. I I buy that angle for sure. I just it's it can't be the only it can't be the only lens to look at this through. Like, I think there is weirdly and and rarely for Cave uh, something really sweet about this song that makes it endearing. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that can be denied. You know, listening to it, you can't help but, but get that. And the music is a perfect delivery mechanism for it. It's, you know, for all the subject matter, for all the darkness, it's, it's such a happy tune. And I think that, you know, the lyrically it comes across as there is care here. And so I, I'm, I'm digging into the very cynical side of things, but at the same time, I hundred percent agree that you can't, uh, can't fully exist there when analyzing this song. Yeah. It's, it's, the shit is grim. The <laughs> You know, down here for your soul, just it, it also, you know, it, there's there's multiple ways to take that. But one of the interesting things um, about this hook that we'll get to again is, you know, he already crosses out love. So soul does not equal love here. So you, you do have to take that kind of biblical or spiritual 
approach when analyzing what he's here for. Yeah. And shit, if he is coming from heaven and this is kind of like a weird Christ figure, could even be a protection of her soul. You know, don't worry about it. We're doing this. It's something you got to do. But at the same time, I am washing your sins away. I'm 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 here for your soul so that I can I can do something with it because I love you or I I don't know. But well, that's that's interesting, and I think probably a, a less likely scenario. But the idea that it could be someone here for someone's salvation and being like, you know, it's okay to make mistakes as a youth. It's okay to. I mean, this is you yeah. know these are some big big stakes for these mistakes. But you know, the, the, I I don't think there's anything explicitly wrong with with that meaning uh with that reading no yeah no that is you expounded in the way that i could not um yeah especially if you uh if you buy into predestination it might be someone coming down she has (laughs) to do this anyway it's been ordained he's just taken it from her like jesus does for all of us my god god damn that's pretty fucking good dude (laughs) I, i like that Blown it now, wide open. And now it's that, happy again. It's, ha- <laughs> it's, it's happy once more. This is why patreon.com slash today's lesson. This is what you come here for. This is, you know, this is like your two uh, ex-stoner friends telling you about <laughs> aliens and shit, smoking in your closet, hotboxing your closet. Except it's coming your on walls. Your furnace. And- <laughs> yeah. In your walls, coming on your frocks and uh, <laughs> rolling around in some sheets uh, in your house. That's right. And Patreon.com is a great place to fund our targeted marketing at Joe Rogan himself um, in an effort to work around our own rules and get a direct invite to his podcast. We're really big fans of stupid horse shit. So I love spouting ill-informed opinions about fucking nothing based on based on absolute hearsay and voodoo um i which want is why 50 million dollars <laughs> i i just want to get paid for it i just want to have money to do that on a regular basis so the final hook because it just ain't yours to sin oh sweet deanna i ain't getting any younger um certainly lending some credence to your astute observations about uh, the potential power dynamic in this relationship and you're my friend the sun a hump at my shoulder and i don't intend getting any older oh deanna and then back into the uh refrain or chorus or whatever you want to call it well i ain't down here for your money i ain't down here for your love i ain't down here for your love and money i'm down here for your soul a little oh. little uh a bit more uplifting for me this last um, line in spite of what we talked about with the with the power dynamic fair enough that's uh yeah i don't know now i don't know how to feel about this song <laughs> after all we've talked about it's that's good uh, it is good. good sign it means that we've we've talked about it into a place where i can continue thinking about it um the sun a hump at my shoulder and i don't intend on getting any older i'm not getting any younger um to me, it communicates a great deal of impatience with uh, perhaps hesitation from Deanna, which kind of moves it for me away from, you know, the the 
co-conspirator vibe, but at the same time, we still have very little information about that. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting last verse. It, it feels like one final push to get her to do whatever deeds he wants her to do, whether or not that happens, who knows? Um, I also do want to call out the sun a hump at my shoulder, very reminiscent of uh, Pink Floyd's time, sun coming back around you again, or behind you again. Um, just more communication of age and, and the constant march of time. So That is a, that is a very, I, I really like that reading. I, I definitely took it a much more positive <laughs> way. Um <laughs> the sun a hump at my shoulder and I don't intend getting any older certainly plays off that, um, you know, maybe the difference between them. And it is concerning that we don't hear the other person speak though. That hasn't really been something he's trafficked in a lot for me, just the, the idea of staying young and staying, you know, the, the innocence in this song is something to certainly be questioned on, on both of their parts. But the idea of not intending on getting any older, the idea of this staying young, um, the sun a hump at my shoulder is is kind of yeah, it's weird imagery, it's it's a little grotesque, but certainly certainly feels uh I don't know, more magical, more hopeful than my hump of trouble and my sack of woe. Like I think there is at least some beauty in this really messed up relationship they have whatever that relationship entails but it's certainly not all (laughs) you know (laughs) not all fun and games and and i think the beauty of this song more so than a lot of his other stuff which can be you know pretty much exclusively grim the juxtaposition of the the good and bad the grim and the sweet musically and lyrically really is what makes this song i think still embody nick cave and his you know biblical ideas his sexual violence maybe political ideas as well but it also is just such a bop and can be taken so many ways that i think this really is a good piece of evidence for what you'd mentioned where we are moving into a new phase uh, in nick cave's career Absolutely. And, you know, I'm I'm actually going to retract everything I said in this episode. I'm going to remove all analysis I've done and go back to my opinion that this song fucking slaps. And that is, (laughs) that's the liner notes from me because it does. And we've, we've seen it live, seen it live a number of times. It's, it's uh, almost, I think it's been played at like every fucking show since it came out. Um, because it's just, it's such a jam. It's so, oh, God, it slaps. And so at the end, grim or not, I mean, I think that's, <laughs> I want the I want the listeners to take that away and go listen to it if they haven't. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I'd mentioned this before, maybe when we were talking about Tupelo, another uh, bigger hit of his, but I'm, I usually tend to not like the, the bigger hits of Nick Cave, the, the, I mean, I love a red right hand, don't get me wrong, and we'll get to that. For me, of the staples of Cave's career, Deanna is probably the one that sucked me in the most uh, when I was getting into him and still brings me probably the most joy. 
Uh, Tupelo's close, um, but I think Deanna of of his best of uh, candidates, best of album candidates, is is way up there for me, if not at yeah. the top. Now, so enduring, and it's actually funny at a, at a meta level. You know, this character is is going through all this grim shit. But the music keeps it so light and loose that if you're not listening really closely to the lyrics, you might just completely miss the fact that it's about this, which is exactly what he's trying to do to Deanna, um, which I love as well. And I think it's one of the things that keeps it so enduring is that it's, it's such a fucked up song, but it's so happy that like you don't have to think about it. Don't think about it. Don't fucking worry about it. It's not yours to sin. Just fucking jam along. Let's do it. Um, I think that keeps it keeps it up there for me as well among his hits because it's yeah if if you want to take it with with the negative reasons yes. yeah. for sure um go, yeah it definitely goes a long way at, at alleviating the anyway, same with up jump the devil taking something in that scenario especially grim and just making it real fun oh god these three songs this is what a run what a run we've come to the end of there's so much ahead of us, but uh, no, this is this is one of my favorite trios on any album, for sure. That's it for Deanna. Great track. Definitely moving into sort of a, a poppier element uh, of the Bad Seeds. Thank you for joining us for this momentous, momentous song and episode. For next time, you should be listening to the fourth song from this album, Tender Prey. It's called watching alice sean where can they find us yes andrew as always you can you can reach out and touch faith or touch pod through uh the internet sorry i'm gonna take that again that was terrible Um, i love it (laughs) this isn't the depeche mode podcast bud but i do want to host it when we do it um as always, you can reach out and touch us, your own personal podcast, uh, at <laughs> gmail.com, todayslessonpod at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at todayslessonpod or on patreon.com slash todayslesson if you think that what we're doing is worth funding to get us on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Until next time. Bye. Bye.